What's up, guys? Chris Avery with you on a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. Uh, a bit later, Daniel Popper of The Athletic going to join me, recap week three of OTAs from the podium. But my first guest, haven't seen my guy in a while, Daniel Jeremiah, <laughs> move the sticks, Chargers radio analyst. DJ, I promise you, I was in my room. I'm like, I'm going to get my Jeremiah Brooks t-shirt out for this podcast. <laughs> I wore it last week. It's dirty. It's not available. Okay. But I, I was thinking of you, brother. No, I appreciate that. And you're, you know what, that be, be uh, very proud of that because those shirts run small. And the fact that post pandemic or, you know, as we're winding down with the pandemic, that it fits is it that's fits. A, that's a big win. That's a big win for it, you. And it's comfortable. Like you should, oh. you got to come up with another design for 2021. No, that's uh, that's on the to do list now. I got to do that. I I, uh, I pay for the production of it, and I don't make any money off the sale of it. So it's a brilliant business strategy that I've uh, <laughs> that I've developed. But they're great giveaway gifts. So yeah, we got another one coming. I got to think of one. Good. How you doing? You rested from the draft? Yeah, man. It's like kind of recovery time for me. Um, just kind of rest and recover. And I've I've got my notes here. My first player that I watched for uh, for next year's draft, I did him yesterday. So Sam Howell nice. from North Carolina is the first one I've peaked at. And it's hard to believe, you know, as we're going to talk today about the draft we just had, that it's already starting again. Like you know, uh, I remember. Remember what is what does uh, Rivers' hat say? Uh, he had that the, the hat that yeah, he wore. Yeah, uh, Nuke Chepi, uh, uh, beget again, right? Yeah, that's I like I'm Rivers. I'm a new chapter here. Here we go again. Starting all <laughs> you're over. already looking at 2022. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, so the Chargers, they had nine picks. We're gonna get into those picks, but I haven't even talked to you about the staff, Brandon Staley, yeah. this new coaching staff. Uh just first impressions. It, it seems it, it's a staff with a combination of youth experience and these guys are teachers first and foremost, and they're really bringing this competitive environment to all sides of the football. Yeah, you know, I, I've had a chance just to talk with Coach Steele on the phone, you know, for 30 minutes, and we've not, not had a chance to meet face-to-face -face yet. I've yet to see him, you know, run a practice. So I'm excited to be around him more. We have a lot of mutual friends, and um, everybody says, you know, you're just going to love this guy, just with the energy, the passion that he brings, but also highly intelligent. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'm excited to get out around this team once we get to training camp and, and, uh, and see this young, energetic coaching staff at, at work here because – it's a, it's a good roster, as we've talked about over the last few years. There's a lot of good young players on this team, but you feel like there's there's so much room for growth. Like they have come nowhere close to the potential of this football team. So having a, a team, a coaching staff of young, uh, energetic teachers, I think is a great fit. So they added to it with nine picks. And I just go back to the last few years, DJ, you stick and pick and get Derwin James at 17 yeah. overall and 18. Stick and pick Burrow. Two will go off the board. You get Justin Herbert. You're patient again at 13, and you get who you said from jump was the, the best tackle in the draft in, in Rashawn Slater. Uh, what did you think when the Chargers stood, relaxed, took a deep breath, and selected the Wildcat? Yeah, I mean, once they were uh, on the clock and you looked at the board, I was like, well, this ain't going to take long um, yeah. because, uh, look, the Chargers, if they want somebody to put on dynamic, uh, you know, visual displays, they're going to go get Chris Harry for Northwestern. If you want somebody to uh, be able to protect the blind side of your <laughs> franchise quarterback, you just go back to Northwestern. It's been good to you. So, uh, no, look, I was I was a big Slater guy from the beginning from when I first watched him. Uh, one of the first tapes I watched was that Ohio State tape. Um, that everybody referenced throughout the whole process with him against Chase Young more than held his own. But it wasn't just that game. He was very consistent throughout. 
Um, he's a dominant player in the run game. I think a lot of people, you know, talking about how he's going to help Justin Herbert. Now, this is going to be a running back's best friend too now because of what he can do climbing up to the second level with his athleticism. Yeah, and when you have guys like Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly in year two, Justin Jackson, who you hope stay healthy, uh, another Wildcat, and Larry mm-hmm. Rowtree the third, uh, another back added to that uh, that Chargers running backs room. Uh, round two, Asante Samuel Jr. Did you see him kind of falling in that that territory in the second round? Was he like the fifth or the sixth DB to go off the board? So he, yeah, he was uh, Asante Samuel was my 39th player. So what okay. pick was he? What pick was he, Chris? Do you remember? He was was he forty seven? I want to say. I think he was forty seventh yeah. overall. So, so that was right. You know, we're yeah. we're speaking the same language there. That's kind of where I thought he would he would be. I thought there was a chance he could sneak into the back of the first round. Wouldn't have shocked me. Um, somebody that's just he's you know I was around his dad when I was with the with the Eagles, and the, they're so similar in how they see things and how they trust their eyes and play aggressively to go attack the football. So um, getting some playmakers. You know, watch this this Chargers team over the last several years. The pass rush has been pretty darn good. Um, they haven't made as many plays on the back end as you as you'd like to see with the type of pass rush that they possess. So this is somebody that's a playmaker. It's got tremendous ball skills, um, and you know, kind of of the corners in this in this class. They had some of the big height, weight, speed guys you saw go off the board early. Um, but I think he might be the most polished guy. In other words, just put him in. You know exactly what he can do, and I think he'll jump at it right from the beginning. And you just hope number 33 is healthy for 16 games. Oh, my gosh. You, get some yeah. oppor- you have some opportunistic guys in that secondary when you talk about Samuel and and, and Derwin and, you know. Uh, is he going to keep his number, by the way? I, you know, I've kind of unplugged, he, so Derwin's going to stick with 33? I think so, although, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I just saw uh, Mr. Jalen Ramsey roll out with a number five jersey to to Rams practice, so I don't know if, if that's just for minicamp or if he's telling us something there. Yeah, that may be. And, you know, I remember, uh, gosh, was it last year or the year before when Bosa made the switch? Uh, Bosa made the switch. Uh, yeah, so he was – I think last year was his first year at 97. Yeah. Kenneth Murray is going to nine, K-9. Oh, he back. is. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, that's yeah. – he looks great in that number nine. That's a good He call. looks great in nine. And, yeah. you know, another guy, uh, Joshua Palmer, he gets to just pick five right off the rip uh, mm-hmm. straight from Tennessee. And and he Perfect. was the guy it, – It's it was so weird these, like, these – connections with these Chargers draft picks, DJ. So they both went to St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, Sante yeah, Samuel that? and Joshua Palmer. Palmer said his first rep ever in high school was against Asante Samuel. And th- there were so many wide receivers we talked about throughout this yeah. process. I don't know if, if we got with the Chargers deep enough talking about a guy like Joshua Palmer. Um, a, a lot of people have raved about the player. He could be in the right system. Uh, what did you make of what you saw from him at Tennessee in the Senior Bowl? Well, you know, it's interesting. You talk about the high school he came from and all the talent there. It was watching him against Alabama and Patrick Sertan was one of the first tapes that I watched. Think about Patrick Sertan and his high school, Tyson Campbell, uh, another big time corner went in the top top of the second round. It seems like these same high schools are producing all these players each and every year. Uh, But no, look, to me, he's he's tall, he's long, he's rangy. You saw that in the senior bowl week of practices. You know, playing above the rim. You think about what Mike Williams has done for this team forever. I think you put somebody uh, like this in there that kind of gives you a lot of those same type of skills in terms of being able to really go up and get it. Um, I think when you get down inside the red zone, he's going to be fun, a fun weapon to deploy. And not just outside. They played him inside as well there at Tennessee, so you got some versatility there. Um you know, he's not going to blow you away with just, you know, blow your doors off speed. 
but he's a guy that doesn't have to create a ton of separation to make plays because he's going to pluck the ball off your head. Yeah, in that room now with with guys like Jalen Guyton and T. Billy, who emerged last mm-hmm. year, uh, you're kind of rounding out that room. Still Joe Reed, K.J. Hill. Uh, so it's, it's a crowded room, uh, probably a lot of storylines coming out of training camp as regards to the wide receivers. Trey McKitty is another interesting player who started at Florida State, was yeah. uh, I think he was teammates with Derwin, Gabe Neighbors, Asante Samuel. These connections are crazy. He goes to all Georgia. Yeah, and, and you know, with, with Hunter gone, Jared Cook comes in. Uh, Trey McKitty, how do you view him in terms of it, is, is he more of a, uh, a blocking specialist who, who has the potential in, in the past game? How do you view Trey? I mean, look, he, it's, he's fascinating because he caught six balls last year. So there's yeah. not a lot of production to go off of. You talk about the run game. He's very aggressive and physical in the run game. You know that effort's going to be there. He's going to be able to help you there. But it sounded weird when I go back and look through my notes because I talk about, you know, the limited production, obviously six catches, 108 yards, one touchdown. But this guy's got big-time juice and burst down the seam. Um, he's physical with the ball in his hands after the catch. Um, you know, to me, it, you know, the senior bowl, he had a really good week down there. He's an aggressive blocker. He's a little bit of a body catcher at times, something he can improve on. But I actually really liked him. It's one of those deals when you kind of look at your notes and then you look at the production and, and, and the grade and you're like, Gosh, what happened? What, how did I get? How did I end up so high on this guy? He caught six passes. Um, but no, it, to me, the tight end position, and this goes to really kind of the George Kittle rule, is the tight end position when you're scouting and evaluating now is more about athleticism than production. It's more about traits than what you've seen in a box score because you can funnel footballs to a tight end in college and inflate their production. That doesn't all necessarily translate to the next level. Whereas a guy like George Kittle, who had very limited production at Iowa, was a little bit hurt as well uh, that last year there, but you bought on the toughness, the, the quickness, the explosiveness, all that showed up in the testing and you had the intelligence on top of that that you you gambled and you won on that. It's it's a reason why you see somebody like Waller with the Raiders who hadn't played the position coming out of college has emerged one of the top guys. It's a traits position, and Trey McQuitty has those traits. We go to the day three guys. And, DJ, I look at guys like Chris Rumpf, uh, Hymas, mm. Nick Neiman, uh, Larry Roundtree, Mark Webb, uh, special teams. These guys are going to have to make their mark uh, in that area of the football. But – uh, on either offense or defense, is there any one of these guys that you could envision having a, a meaningful role this year? Well, I think Rumpf's going to have a shot at it. You know, like his big thing just needed to get stronger, just physically stronger. But he, he's he's real narrow. He's very long, um, but he's got juice as a rusher. So when you get in, we, we call him a scout and we put him in the DPR category, like designated pass rusher. I don't know that he's going to have a home on early downs early on in his career, but I think he is going to have a chance to get out there in some of those sub packages to be able to rush and not just coming off the edge. He's real good as a looper. You can run games with him and, and do different things like that. He's a really good finisher uh, for somebody who might not just be as, as strong as you'd like. Obviously, his dad's a coach, so he's got all that background and knowledge to go along with it, um, but plays hard. and He's got big time juice. So, you know, look, there's no there's no Melvin Ingram on this team anymore. Chenna, we, we are excited to see what he can do with this new opportunity. Uh, I know you and I have talked about him for a couple of years now, how much we believe in, in Chenna and what he can do. But you yeah. need another guy. And and to me, Fackrell's got to have a chance to fill that role. But I think you, you're going to give Rumpf a chance here to compete and see if he can't fight for a spot when you get in those sub situations. Yeah, Fackrell, a guy who ten and a half sacks a couple of years ago. You lose Isaac Rochelle, no Melvin Ingram coming back. So going to be a, a lot of new faces 
on defense. And DJ, as you kind of survey the landscape of the AFC, it'll get you out of here on this. Uh, seeing what teams like the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Bills, what they did to upgrade their rosters, both in free agency and through the draft, you know, the, the Chargers, we talk about every year, you have all the talent in the world. It's yeah. it's hard to, to know exactly how uh, this season is going to shake out with a new coaching staff, but it, the energy is there. The talent's there. It, it's always come, comes down to really health, right? Yeah. That's been the story. I mean, that's been the story for as long as you can remember here with this Chargers team. You have health. The, the one year they've had, you know, really good health over the last five years. What do you know? They go out and rip off 12 wins or whatever it was and then and, and knock off the Ravens in the playoffs and go up to New England. So um, this team, if they can stay healthy, I do think this is a playoff roster um, that Tom Telesco's put in place. Keep these guys healthy. And I think that was the you know, the thought process behind what he did in free agency, going out and spending money and and, and investing and in did it in the first round as well in that offensive line. If this team can keep Justin Herbert healthy and he continues to progress as we assume that he will uh, into really a superstar in this league, the Chargers are going to be in every single football game that they play. And then it comes down to just finding ways to finish games. You finish games with pass rush. So then that looks at Bosa. Can you keep Bosa healthy and run him out there? You know, even yeah. if it's, you know, 15 of the 17 games, keep him out there for the majority of the time. He's your closer. He's going to be able to close out games. Derwin James can finish games on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think the roster's in good shape. Uh, I think there's a great energy. I'm excited to, to get a chance to be around it. I know you've had a chance to do that. Um, and I think, again, just keep these guys healthy. I think it could be a special year. Week one, man, the first guy we talked about, Rashad Slater, gets Chase Young right off the rip. Oh, rematch, this, new yeah. look, this new look offensive line, how about that for a test, this this Washington defensive line? The guy on the other side ain't too shabby either now. <laughs> He's uh, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, Montez Sweat, pretty darn good. That's a good front. So that'll be a great test. Um, and what a way to start, though, man. It's it, Look, it's the year of Chris Harry. I mean, we've got – We've got babies on the way. We're going back to Washington week one. I mean, this is uh, this is your year, pal. There, there's so take a Northwestern. I mean, there's north two north two first rounders from Northwestern, one of which goes to the Chargers. I mean, this is your year, bud. This, I think all we need, Justin Jackson, needs to go for 1,500 and 10 touchdowns, and it's a wrap. 2021 I mean, is a wrap. I'm sure. I, I haven't kept up with it, but I'm sure Julia Louis-Dreyfus is winning another Emmy. I mean, I'm sure that's just the Northwestern <laughs> thing. Yeah, is Veep coming back? Is Veep yeah. coming back this yeah, year? There Surprise. You go. <laughs> <laughs> DJ, I love it, man. I I, uh, I can't wait to see you at camp and, and beyond get this thing rolling. No, I, I am – look, I am fired up for this football season. I'm always fired up for football season, but after last year – uh, this year, fans in the stands, hopefully we're seeing a lot more of each other in person. Uh, I could not be more excited, man. It's going to be a great, great 2021. Just get that T-shirt ready. Give me the 2021 I know, design. I know, I know. I got to go, go, go mow some lawns and raise some money. <laughs> See you, man. See you, bud. All right, guys, as we roll on here on Chargers Weekly, now joined by Daniel Popper of The Athletic. And Popper, we're getting ready for mini camp, but at least these last few weeks, it's almost like a, a get to know you session with these coordinators and coaches. And this week, Shane Day, the quarterback's coach, Derek Ansley, secondary coach, Frank Smith, uh, offensive line, run game coordinator. We all got to hear from those guys. And let's just start with Shane Day, because he comes from this unique background with the San Francisco 49ers. Um we just talked about it. The fact that Justin Herbert was going to be his guy, pretty appealing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was my biggest takeaway from our conversation with Shane Day was just that Justin Herbert is drawing coaches 
and drawing offensive minds to the Chargers. He's very appealing in terms of coaches and, and where they want to go. Um, we talk about Shane Day coming over from the 49ers. He specifically said yesterday that the, the most appealing part of the job was getting to coach Justin Herbert, and that's getting a, a great coach from a great tree to come over and be your passing game quarter and quarterbacks coach. Um, and, and you also talk about Joe Lombardi. Um, he had a chance to go be the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Uh, it didn't go that great, but he has spent a lot of time in Orleans and had a really cushy gig there. Uh, he's coaching Drew Brees. It was Reese, obviously, before he retired, um, and then coaching under one of the greatest offensive minds in football and Sean Payton. He has a chance to win a Super Bowl every single year. It's a great environment to coach in. And so he's not going to leave for just any opportunity. The reason that I appealed to him was the, the chance to coach Justin Herbert. Obviously, he has a history with Brandon Staley. But when you have a, a quarterback as talented, as smart as Justin Herbert, to make the Chargers a very appealing place to be. And I think that was uh, one of the biggest takeaways from, from talking with yesterday yeah whether it was joe lombardi or shane day one thing was clear justin herbert is a smart guy and he's picking things up pretty quickly that was the one thing that you take away from that uh it also you know the fact that shane day comes from san francisco th these collaboration uh, of ideas whether it's from new orleans or frank smith was in new orleans but he was also in in uh what is now las vegas uh shane day comes from the school of, of kyle shanahan so I think the kind of like the no ego approach that like, hey, no idea is a bad idea uh, in an effort to to make Justin Herbert in this offense the, the best version of itself. That's a, a refreshing element in my eyes as well. Absolutely. And that was something that Brandon Staley talked about in his introductory press conference is that he really wanted to create a collaborative environment. It's one thing to say it, and it's one thing to actually do it. And I think in talking to these coaches this week, you're realizing that he's actually building that. He means it. It's not just words. He's putting it in action. Um, and I, I think you're seeing it um, first off, um, you know, with bringing in guys who were a part of the Saints system, um, you know, and Frank Smith, obviously, as we said, we're both there. That is a key tenet of what Sean Payton does. No idea is too crazy. He wants when they sit down at the beginning of the week to make their game plan, you can bring anything to the table and he's not going to just write it off. He's going to consider everything. He creates a really collaborative environment, especially with his offensive game planning. And I think Brandon Stilley saw that in 2009 uh, when he was still, you know, in the college ranks as a young coach because of his relationship with Joe Lombardi. He got a chance to go sit in the quarterback's room in 2009 with the Saints and sit in with Drew Brees and Joe Lombardi and Sean Payton. I think he saw what they did in terms of that collaborative environment. I think that strongly influenced his approach to that. And, and, and you can see it in how he's building the staff. They're going to take ideas from everywhere, including the college game, right? They have Chandler oh, yeah. Ridmer in here for, from Clemson, Derek Ansley, who we talked to on Monday, uh, obviously from Tennessee has coached with Nick Saban. So they're going to draw ideas from everywhere. And primarily with this offense, it's going to be from the saints. And then they wanted to bring in some of these Kyle Shanahan elements specifically in the run game. Cause that's something that he does at a very high level in terms of his play calling and scheming. Um, so they bring in Shane day to bring that element to the offense. And I think with the way Shane Day was talking about it, you're really sensing that they're they're collaborating, they're discussing, and they're going to create something very unique here that is tailored to Justin Herbert's skill set. And that that was one of the things heading into this season when they were doing this coaching search. Okay, how are they going to build this thing for Justin Herbert? Brand still, he said initially, hey, we're going to build this thing for Justin Herbert. We're going to tailor it to him specifically. And you're starting, uh, you know, through these conversations with coaching staff. I encourage if, if you're listening to this or, or watching this uh, on YouTube, watch the press conferences because 
they are very insightful. Uh, you, you learn a lot about uh, these coaches and these coordinators and, and kind of where they come from. Um, they're very open about, you know, what they want to accomplish. Uh, it was really cool to listen to Frank Smith talk about his time in New Orleans, getting a PhD in football, learning from guys like Sean Payton and Aaron Cromer and obviously Joe Lombardi, Pete Carmichael. Um, to, to hear the kind of the journey of these coaches and, and all the information, just think of all the information that you collect at each stop during each week of a, of a meeting with uh, Sean Payton and, and a coaching staff down in new Orleans. Uh, Frank Smith is another guy who obviously had that time with the saints, but also uh, you know, the running game in, in Oakland um, which is now Las Vegas. Uh, he's, he's another interesting guy who, who I think is really going to get the best out of his players across the offensive line. The two things that Brandon Stilley talked about in his introductory press conference, he sort of hammered home is you want guys that are relationships and guys that have a very high capacity and you hear those things and they sound like buzzwords initially, but you get a chance to talk to these guys and you really understand exactly what Brandon Stilley was looking for in his coaches. These are guys that are very easy to talk to, very open, like you said, um, you know, very smart, have a clear ability to communicate their plans and ideas. Um, and I think that leans into those two primary themes. You know, these are guys that are very personable, very approachable, and are, are going to have an ability to build relationships with their players. And they have a very high capacity in terms of being able to explain what they want and distill information to their players, which are two very, very important things and building a football team. And I think those two things have really come across with all of the coaches that we've supported, um, during OTAs. The collection of coaches too, Popper, you mentioned Derek Ansley, the fact that he comes from the college game and he's familiar with a lot of the young players on this Chargers roster, specifically in the secondary, he referenced Nazir Adderley at the senior bowl and uh, Brandon Faison and, and, you know, Derwin, uh, Asante Samuel, you know, just from Florida state. I think it's really cool to have this combination of pro experience, college experience, and, you know, it's such a relation based business too. I mean, the, the fact that, that coach Ansley knows some of these guys, I mean, we talk about Joshua Palmer too, you know, a guy that he, he knows from his time in Tennessee. I, I like the mix of experience in the NFL up and coming coaches from the college game and kind of, collecting all of these guys together and coming up with the best ideas. Right. And, and I think one of the things that we took away from the, the from the transition from Anthony Lynn to Brandon Stiller was Chargers as an organization were trying to be more forward thinking. They were trying to be outside the box. They were trying to be ahead of the curve in terms of their schematics, in terms of how they ran their organization. Right. And we think about how trends happen in the NFL. They typically start in high school and then they move to the college game and then they move to the NFL. You think about how the spread offense moved through football, right? That was initially a college thing. And then it moved to the NFL. Now the NFL is very. So Brandon Stilley is thinking about that. He's all right, where can I get new ideas from? How can I always stay ahead of the curve? And one way to do that is to poach some really great college coaches and find things that are happening in college, bring the NFL that might be new and different. It might allow you to be outside the box and be ahead of the curve. Another guy we haven't talked to yet, has been a great college coach for a long time is Chris Beatty, the wide receivers coach who's been all over college and was most recently at Maryland. Um, my alma mater, shout out to the Terps. And, yeah. um, and, and so, you know, you have where, like we mentioned earlier, 
uh, Derek Ansley. And so you're, you're taking some college guys because you want new ideas. And these guys are typically young and, and in some cases getting their first chance in the NFL. Right. And so willingness to accept new ideas, encourage new ideas and, and identify them and actually pursue them. And I think that's kind of refreshing because you're looking forward, you're looking ahead and you're trying to be ahead of the curve. And I think that the coaching staff is an indication of that sort of entire thought process from, from Brandon Staley. Speaking of the wide receivers, we did hear from Mike Williams on Monday. And, Popper, I want to get your, your just opinion on the group as a whole, right? We obviously have Keenan, you have Mike, you, you draft Joshua Palmer, uh, Tyron Johnson, um, Jalen Guyton, K.J. Hill, Joe Reed. This is a, a, a crowded room, and it's it's a good thing, right? I mean, you, you have guys with different skill sets, um, but I, I'm just – I'm intrigued come training camp how this position group is going to shake out when we're all done here at the end of August, because um, it's a, it's a crowded position group. And uh, some of these guys are really going to have to make their mark on special teams. Yeah. I think the key with the wide receivers in this, in this new scheme is, you know, previously there was a clear pecking order, right? One, two, three, they all had clear positions, you know, and the chargers with that wide receiver three, obviously after Mike and Keenan were looking for speed, like that's what they wanted there. And that's why they had Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. It's not going to be as set in stone. There's going to be a ton of different personnel packages, a ton of different formations, a ton of different route combinations. And so you're going to need different skill sets. And so you're going to see guys moving all over and a lot of guys rotating in and out. I don't think you're going to have a clear wide receiver three. I think in certain situations, you're going to want a bigger, better route runner. And that's when you go with Josh Palmer. Some situations, you're going to want a burner on the field. And you're going to go with Jalen Guyton or you're going to go with Tyron Johnson. You know, some cases Keenan will be in the slot. In some cases, he'll be outside. I think they're going to move Mike Williams around too because it's going to be a matchup-driven scheme. So it's not just going to be Mike Williams on the outside running go routes. You know, if they feel like they can get a matchup on the inside with Mike Williams, they're going to put him in there and they're going to do whatever they can to sort of find these matchups that will allow them to have the most success and be the most efficient offensively. So I think you're going to see more of a rotation at receiver than you've seen recently. But one thing that I'll say about Josh Palmer is in this Saints offense, they're looking for very smart, polished receivers, not necessarily the best athletes, the freak athletes. They're really looking for guys that know what they're doing because of all the different moving parts with the personal packages and formations. And they're looking for guys who are polished in terms of their route running. We're going to be exactly where they need to be because some of these route combinations, it's down to the inch in terms of where you need to be coming out yeah. of your break. And I think that's what they saw in Josh Palmer is a guy who's really going to fit well into the system, which is something that Brandon Silly said after they drafted him. Yeah, I mean, and Joe Lombardi's had guys from from Marcus Colston to to Michael Thomas, who they got in the second round. And I uh, just, you know, I talked to Doug Farrar last week about just the backfield in, in Austin Eckler and the type of back that Joe Lombardi has had in the past, whether it was Alvin Kamara or, or Reggie Bush. Um, right. I, I think – Austin Eckler too in this system, you you can move him all over the place, and you know I think we talked about it at the beginning of this this uh, interview. It's like each week is going to be different, right? They're going to have a game plan, and I think they have the personnel too, Popper, for each week to like okay, we we got five or six receivers here, but hey, let's get Donald Parham involved in the red zone this week. Let's get Jared Cookmore involved. Let's move Austin Eckler around. Let's pound the rock with. Larry Roundtree or Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly, whoever wins that battle. So they have the pieces on offense, and, and obviously uh, they they beefed up the offensive line for a reason. Right. I think that's what it always comes back to, right, because I think the Chargers have 
position players. That's never been a concern heading into a season. It's can the offensive line stay healthy and can they perform at a high level? Um, if that happens, then you're talking about a really good offense. Um, obviously, they beefed it up, like you said. Um, we're aggressive in free agency. They brought in Rashawn Slater. I think is going to be outstanding um, immediately. Um, but a lot of it is going to rely on health. And I, and I think that is going to be a key part of, of okay, can the Chargers now become a, a team that instead of being in the bottom five and adjusted games loss every year, can they just be in the middle of the pack? Can they, they avoid some of these injuries, especially on the line that take some of their best players off the field and force you to bring in players um, that, that, you know, decrease the efficiency of the overall unit. But in terms of the skill position players, they have everything they need. I thought they had everything they needed before they drafted Josh Palmer, but bringing in another skilled wide receiver who brings in a different kind, I think brings them to a new level. Um, and then the running back room specifically, I mean, Austin Eckler is one of the most versatile players in football. And he, he's done it his whole career, really. Um, you know, he's just carved out more and more playing time, but he's a polished route runner, great hands. He's excellent through contact. I mean, just going back and watching some of his um, his highlights, I know he, he was – doing something for NFL network where, you know, went back and watched that screen pass. They took to the house against the Colts in 2019, just his ability to run over guys and run through contact and, and, and not be brought down by the first defender. It's so, it's so honestly fun to watch because he's not the biggest guy, um, but he's going to be all over the place. He has been doing that in the past. Um, but I think, you know, screen game in the slot out oceaning, using him as kind of that chess piece to create mismatches, whether it's against safeties, against linebackers. Um, he has the ability to do that. Um, and I'm fascinated to see sort of how he offense. And I think, you know, the prototype for him would be Alvin Kamara, as you mentioned, similar skill set in terms of their ability to be a receiver and a runner. Hey, last thing football wise, Uchino Nuosu, it's, it's weird to me that he's entering his fourth season. You know, it's like he, he's quietly becoming this, this veteran and he's going to get an opportunity too with Bill Melvin Ingram to get a lot of reps uh, alongside uh, Joey Bosa. I, I found it interesting that, you know, uh, of all the guys that, that Staley's coached from Khalil Mack to Von Miller to Bradley Chubb, he's staying recent and he's watching a lot of Leonard Floyd tape uh, with the Rams, which makes a lot of sense. It was, it was Staley's last stop. And if he could equal the production of Leonard Floyd last year, the Chargers in good shape. Right. And you look at sort of the, the their statistics, they're very comparable, right? Leonard you know, four sacks back-to-back years. He had one seven-sack year, but he hadn't really been into that, like, top-flight pass rusher that you were looking for. And then he absolutely explodes in Brandon Staley's defense in a contract season and ends up getting a big payday. So that's exactly what Chenny Nuosu is looking to do, right? He's entering the last year of his deal. He hasn't really gotten the production because he's been playing behind Melvin Ingram and got harder snaps. But this is really his opportunity. But the one thing I would say, the differences between Leonard Floyd and Chenny Nuosu is guess who Uchenna Nuosu has rushing from the other side? Joey Bosa, yeah. <laughs> an all pro <laughs> level edge rusher. So teams, when they're going up the Rams, obviously got to focus on Aaron Donald. But in terms of edge rushing, Leonard Floyd was their top guy. Uchenna Nuosu, teams are going to be obviously focusing on Joey Bosa as their top edge rusher. And he's going to have some real opportunities here. You know, you've seen flashes from, from Chenna year after year after year, but he just hasn't been able to get consistent playing time because Melvin Ingram has been there. I mean, he's gotten some because Melvin's been has been injured in the past, but this is his real opportunity. I mean, this is this is your contract year. You are a starter. The organization is putting a lot of trust in him. They did not go out and sign an edge rusher, a, a big time edge rusher. They obviously brought Kyler Thackerel in for depth. They got Chris Rump a fifth round pick, but they're saying, "Listen, Chenna, this is your time. 
go out and be the player that we know you can be. Uh, he's an incredibly skilled player. Um, he's a great pass rusher. Uh, and I think we're going to see a huge season from him primarily because teams will be focusing in on Joey Bosa. And I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to get after the quarterback. So I'm expecting big things from Shannon Nuoso. And, and people have been asking me, you know, who's, who's the breakout candidate? Who's the breakout candidate? It's him every time for me. I'm excited about, about Chenna and, you know, we, we've talked about so many of these guys who could be potential breakout candidates this year on defense. Like, like, listen, Jerry Tillery could be one of those guys too. It's Absolutely. out of the realm of possibilities. Nazir Adderley could be another guy who, you know, he's never played with Derwin James. Um, so that, that'll be another guy that I'll have my eye on. Obviously we have mini camp and then things get real quiet. And dude, I have to mention this because anytime Long Beach Island gets, brought up to me. I just smile because I grew yeah. up going to LBI. So Popper went to Maryland and we were, we're at camp the other day. And I'm like, you know, we're talking about going, going back home or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to Long Beach Island. I'm like, what? South Jersey. I, most people listening to this have no idea what we're talking about, but I don't care. It's fine. If you're ever on the East coast, you got to go to LBI Popper. Absolutely. Go to the singing ice cream parlor in Long Beach Island where you go get a Sunday and they sing you songs. What's better than that? It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I can't wait to get back East. Obviously I grew up going down the shore. Um, I sound like I'm from Jersey now down the shore. Yeah. That's what my girlfriend says, but uh, yeah, really excited to get some time away. Honestly, uh, it's been a grind here getting through free agency in the draft, but we got a little quiet time, get home, go to the beach, get off Twitter. Yes. <laughs> I know you guys won't be happy about that, but I'm going to try and get off Twitter for a little bit, but yeah, really looking forward to uh getting back home, seeing my family and spending some much needed time at the beach. And you know what, fans, you should also get off Twitter for a little bit. Enjoy yourselves <laughs> and go to the beach yeah. too, right? I mean, like yeah. it's, as soon as mini camp's over, there's no reason. Just, just take some time, check in every now and again, but enjoy your summer and we'll have you covered come training camp. Popper always has you covered. Four takeaways, if you haven't read it on The Athletic, uh, do so. Always appreciate the time, brother. I will see you out at mini camp next week and – um we got another season ahead of us, man. If you blink, it'll be uh, end of July. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. And that's going to do it for us. So big thanks to Daniel Popper and Daniel Jeremiah for joining me. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. So if you're watching this, thank you for watching. Keep watching every Thursday. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Harry.